0: Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. Thank you, guys. If you have your Bible, we're going to go to Psalms chapter 100. We're going to be talking today on reaching up to God. And uh, as I was sitting down there thinking about church and about being at church, I can think of five churches that I've been at consistently in my life. I grew up in Salisbury at church there and uh, went to Arkansas and served at a, was in college there for four years and then went to Idaho and was there for four years. And then we moved back, we served at a church in Kannapolis and now we're here. And so I've been in five different churches and I got to thinking as I was preparing this message of some things that we bring to God when we come to church. And uh, I got to thinking through as I've preached it, I think at all of those five churches at some point or another. And uh, my wife, she's a big snack person. She likes to bring snacks to church. Okay. My, my father-in-law, he made sure that when every time he, before he came to church, he would stop by the local gas station and he would buy about 10 to $15 in snacks. And he had his snacks in his pew beside him. So he brought his snacks to church. And some people do, uh, I know my kids, they bring their sometimes ready to bring his cars to church um, and and play there and um, I've even seen people read books during sermons and uh, I've even seen a couple of people have taken their checkbook out and balanced their checkbook while the sermon was going on and you know maybe that's the right time Um, I have never seen this but I have heard of this before and Sherry could probably attest to this in here but um, I've heard of people actually trimming their finger and toenails in church Sherry would be the one that vacuums the sanctuary, so I come in after it's all clean. So I don't see it, I don't know it. But you could talk to her and see if if those things happen in this church. I would hope not. But um, you know, a lot of times, I know every time I come to church I bring my Bible. Has anybody in here have their Bible? Hold it up for me. Even if it's an iPad, still a Bible, right? So that's a good sight. And uh, there's some things that I believe we should bring to church, but also when we're reaching up to God, which is our sermon title, when we reach up to God, what are we bringing to God? What is our things that we're bringing to God? So in Psalms 100, we're going to read this in just a second, but this psalm is a future millennial psalm talking about what it's going to be when we get to rule and reign with Jesus forever in heaven. And although that day is not yet today, We can see some things that are going to happen and even some commands in here that we see. The Bible gives us a command in Hebrews 10 that says that when we are together, we should assemble together as a church. And we are trying to do that even through a pandemic, even through COVID. And so with that in mind, we're going to read this passage, this chapter, and we're going to go through a couple of things. So if you have your copy of God's word, we'll stand. The verses will be on the screen as well. And we're going to read Psalms chapter one hundred. And jump right into our sermon this morning. The Bible says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. If it be that he hath made us, and we are not ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gate with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Father, I want to come and just thank you again today. Thank you for this passage that we were able to read. Pray that you would continue to give me the thoughts that I need to say, the words that I need to say this morning. I want to give you the praise, the honor, and glory for everything that happens. In your name we pray. Amen. As we read that passage, and as we jump right into this message, uh, notes are provided for you in your bulletin if you would like to follow along. But in the first two verses, as we read through this, I think that the psalmist gives us a layout of some things that we need to bring when we're reaching up to God. And the first thing is to bring the right spirit. To bring the right spirit. When most of us can relate, most of us can relate to being a parent or one time being a child. And you know that when you want something from mom and dad. You have to come with mom and dad with the right spirit. If you come and you're angry and you're mad and you're upset. And you ask mom and dad something. What's their most likely response going to be? No you're not going to get it. Okay. So when you come before mom and dad. You must come with the right spirit. When Brody comes to me and he, he says dad I really want something I ask him, how has your days been at school? Have you been a good child or a bad child? Have you obeyed mom? Have you had the right spirit? And so when we come before God, we must come before God with the right spirit. A couple of things underneath this, and uh, these aren't part of your, this, this first one is part of your notes is this. I think that a way to have the right spirit is to have a shouting spirit. A shouting spirit. The Bible says in verse 1, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And when we break this command down, there's three main words here. It says make. The first way when we make something is to, it literally means to make music. It refers to singing or to, to have something inside of you that's coming out. The second thing here is joyful. The word joyful means to give a public confession of the attributes or the works of God. So not only are we supposed to be singing and and praising this, but you're supposed to make sure that people around you know about these things. You're supposed to be telling the people around you and make a public confession of what God has done. And the third word here is noise. Make a joyful noise. And this word literally means to raise a shout, to ring or to cry. It literally means to come unglued and to shout the praises of God. That is the shouting spirit that's talked about here. And I'm not talking about every time you, you, maybe you're at your coworkers and you, you go to pray. I'm not saying you stand up and you start shouting and you start going crazy and people think you're a lunatic. I'm talking about people should know when I mention your name, are you a believer? Do people know you in the community as someone who loves Jesus? We can see the psalmist is calling the people of the Lord to raise an anthem of Praise. A praise to the one who came and died for our sins, who redeemed us, who pulled us out of a miry clay, who saved our soul and put us on solid ground. That's what we should be singing out to the people that are around us. And sometimes this is just by the actions that we live. Psalms 40 says this, that when the Lord saves us, he gives us a new song in our mouth. We're no longer singing the things that we used to sing. We're no longer acting the way we used to act because the right spirit is in us. A genuine praise is always vocal, it's always visible, and it's always public. If we are going to give praise to God and have the right spirit, it will be vocal. People will hear us. It will be visible and people will see it. God gets no glory when we hide his glory from other people. The only way God gets the glory for our spirit, gets the glory for anything that we do, is if it's vocal, if it's visible, and if people see it and it's public. So not only should we have a shouting spirit, we should have a serving spirit. It says in verse 2, the very first part of verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. A serving spirit. The word serve means to be in bondage to. It literally can be translated into a slave. Now, when we think of slave, we think of bad right? Slavery, oppression, you know, bad things that happened. We even think of the children of Israel. They were in slavery and they were beaten and they were put into bondage and and they had no will of themselves. But when we look at this verse, it says to serve with gladness, to be a slave with gladness. Uh, I thought of a, a term that my grandparents would use. And some of you may have heard, uh, to be at their becking call. Have y'all have ever heard that statement before, to be at someone's becking call. Okay? And so the, the thought of this serving is to be at God's becking call. When God asks us to do something, we're going to be there and we're going to be at his becking call no matter what he asks us to do. We're going to serve him with gladness. The gladness, I think, is the most important part of this because when we're serving, how's our attitude? How is the attitude that we have when we're serving the one who saved us, the one who died for us? This verse is literally telling us to serve the Lord with laughter, with a joy that's overwhelming. There's times where Brody will come to me and and he'll want something and and his excitement for wanting that, I can tell him to do anything because he wants it so much, he's going to do it so he can get that. For instance, we were looking at getting a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. He sort of knew we were wanting to do that. And I could have told him to go and pick the dogs, poop up in the house. And he would have had the most joyful attitude on his mouth because he was going to serve me because he knew that if he was good, he would get something. He was going to be at the becking call, but he was joyful about it. He was tickled to do that. And are we tickled to death when God asks us to do something? When a nominating committee comes and asks you to serve on a a Sunday school team or to help out in some way, are you serving with gladness? The word gladness, I looked it up and it said, this was one of the definitions, wide-eyed with a big grin. Some of y'all saw the video of Brody and Jade when we told them that we were having another kid and we're excited about it and and we can't wait to find out what it's going to be and then you know, we, we, it's already decided what it's going to be. It doesn't have to, uh, it, we already know it, it's already there. But um, when we told them that night, and if you've seen the video, if you haven't, go on Facebook or Twitter or wherever my wife has it listed and, and watch the video. But when we told Brody, we had a little sign there and it said party of five and they read it and Jade made the response, I'm five, okay? And she was excited because she thought it was for her. And then the, the look in Brody's eye, if you watch that video, His eyes popped open, and he said, a baby. And his eyes opened big, and his mouth dropped, and that's the gladness that this is talking about. Wide-eyed, open mouth, there was no words to describe what was coming out of his mouth in his moment, in that moment when he was thinking, mom's going to have a baby. That's the gladness here. I wrote this down, it brings to mind the unvarnished joy of a child. When a child comes to you and they're just excited to see you and they hug you and they, that, that's the serving the Lord with gladness that it's talking about. And are we that way when it comes to serving the Lord? The third thing I see here is not only a shouting spirit or a serving spirit, but a singing spirit. In verse 2, the last part of verse 2, it says, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. The word singing means to ringing cry or to shout of joy. Sort of the same, he's reiterating the same first point. Shouting and then singing again. Our hearts should be so filled with the wonder of what God has done for us that the only thing that can come forth is singing. It comes from an inner being. And you will not be able to hide this. If you begin to think of what God has done for you, and you begin to reach up to him, and you begin to bring the right spirit to him, Nothing will be able to come out of your mouth but singing to the lord a sense of praise Sometimes this singing will come out of your eyes Sometimes it may just be a tear That begins to trickle down your face because you're just Overwhelmed with the joy that god has done for you that the way you express that is by a tear I'm, not a crying guy. My wife has seen me cry more in the last six months than any time in my entire life just because of emotions and things that have been going on and those tears begin to come out I've even cried I think twice in the last three months since I've been preaching up here and I'm not a crier I I told my wife I said I don't even know where it came from like I just the tears started coming I don't I, I couldn't explain it but that's sometimes it comes out of your eyes sometimes it may show up with just a raised hand a song singing and The Lord touches you and the words can't come out, but, but maybe the hand can be raised and you can just throw that hand up and say, I'm just going to sing to the Lord through my hand. Maybe both hands. Maybe you may be crazy enough to go from a seated position to a standing position and raising both hands. That's crazy. I know, but maybe the Lord may work that out to where it may come out in different ways. Maybe it's going to run up your throat and out your vocal cords And you may make a shout of praise, an amen, a hallelujah, whatever it may be. The fact is, when you get to this point to where you're serving him with gladness and you have this spirit that you're bringing the right spirit, you will not be able to hide what God has in your heart. It's going to come out some way, shape, or form. So when we look at this, we see that we must bring the right spirit. The second thing is we must bring the right submission. It's a tough word. Bible says that the wives should submit, and we've used that a couple of times. But this word here, submission, is talking about our attitude to God. I almost like to think of a coach. A coach comes in and he wants to coach a football team or a baseball team or a basketball team, and he says, "All right, guys, we're going to run ten laps around the gym." Your attitude to that coach is to do what he says. You're going to submit to him. You're going to run those ten laps. And you're going to go on with whatever it is. It may say, you know, in football, it may be 10 up-downs. It may be do push-ups until I'm tired. Whatever it may be. But you are in a state of submission because you are listening to the person that's in authority over you. So we think of this and we look at verse 3. We see three things under this state of submission. And this is the first one. Submit to the person of God. Verse 3 starts out by saying that we, to know that the Lord, he is God. We must know, this means to make a distinction. We're to know that he and he only is God. He's not the God that beat all the other gods in heaven because some people believe that, that there were all these different gods in heaven and they all had a battle and that the one God beat all the other ones and now he's the one God that sort of took on all their attributes. He took on the creation side He took on the salvation side. No, he is the one true God who spoke the world into existence, who has formed us from the beginning and the foundation of the world. He knew that you were going to have the color of hair you had. He knew that I was going to have a lazy eye and have to have glasses. He knew that I was going to be awkwardly white with freckles and red hair. Okay, he knew that. And so he formed me. And so when we get to this point, we submit to who he is. And we know that he is God alone. We, we get to this point where we begin to no longer question who our God is. When you nail this down in your soul that this is the one true God and He is superior than any other person, any other thing or any other activity in your life, you will have no problem serving Him as you should. You see, Brody knows that I'm his dad. So it's very easy for him to serve me and to listen. And then We teach him to respect his adults and to respect his elders. But even when he's out, if some random stranger comes up to him and says, hey, I need you to go do this, he's going to look at him a little funny and be like, do I listen to this guy? Do I not? Maybe he looks at dad and goes, dad, do I listen to this guy? I'm like, no, that's a stranger. You don't listen to anything he's saying. Okay. But when I tell him, Bertie, I need you to do this. Jade, I need you to do this. They submit because they're, they understand that I'm their father. And when we take that same mindset and we say we understand who our Heavenly Father is, when our Heavenly Father, and we understand the person of who He is, asks us to do something, we do it immediately. We serve Him. We do what needs to be done because we know who He is. So the question I want to ask you on this point is, who is your God today? Who is the person or the thing that you were serving? Who has all of your attention? Who is it that when they say go and do this, you listen to them them, unadulterated, you just do it with full submission? Because that's who our God is. That's who we're serving. Not only do we need to submit to the person of God, but we must submit to the purpose of God. He goes on to say in verse 3, it is he that hath made us. And because he made us, we are to serve him because he gave us that purpose wrote this down as i began studying this word made out one of the definitions came up and it said to take something or to take some material and to fashion something completely different out of that material so i'm not a seamstress the the thought of sewing came into my mind when i initially read that and i i, I began to think i can sew a button on and that's about to the extent of my sewing ability Okay, if I need pants hemmed, I'm going to find a lady, most likely Yvonne. She, she helps do all my hemming around here. And I'm going to go to some lady that knows how to hem and to do sewing. But when I began to think of that, I began to think of what I do enjoy doing. I do enjoy cooking. I made a meal with my brother's here and his wife and some friends from Charlotte are here. And I made some beef tips with rice and green beans. And we're going to make biscuits later. And I, I got really excited this morning making some of that food. And Brody came in there and started helping me mix some stuff. It was pretty good. But I got to thinking of one of my favorite things of all time, a fresh chocolate chip cookie. Anybody with me on that? Fresh hot chocolate chip cookie out of the oven, a little glass of milk there, sit down with your favorite TV show, maybe a football, basketball game, and you got your cookies and milk. I mean, you're pretty much in, you're real close to heaven at that moment, okay? Uh, There's not much more that can top that, but I began to think How are those chocolate chip cookies made? You take flour, which by itself, has anyone ever ate flour by themselves in here? It's not pretty good, is it? It's pretty nasty. Okay, baking soda. If you sit down and eat some baking soda, I've got some problems for you. Okay, some sugar. Okay, you can sit down and eat sugar if you want. Pixie sticks, that's all that is, is sugar. Okay, kids do that all the time. Um, You sit down and you look at those chocolate chip morsels. And they're pretty good by themselves. You could probably pop a couple of those in. It's almost like an M&M, just without the hard coating on the outside of it. And you begin to think of the salt that goes into it. I don't think anyone here will sit down with a tablespoon of salt and begin eating it. Okay, if you did, like I said, you may have some problems. But when you take all of those ingredients and you begin to mix them together with some eggs, some vanilla flavoring, and you begin to get that dough there, and some of us may eat that dough. Okay, it's not going to hurt you. In my opinion, I'm not a doctor, so don't take my opinion for that, but I eat some of that raw dough because I like it. Uh, But you can begin to mix that together and you've taken something that separate wasn't a lot of anything. And now you've formed something that is next to God's goodness, I would say. And now you put that in the oven and you bake it for a little bit, 10, 13, 12 minutes, whatever your time is, you pull them out and they're nice and gooey and beautiful. You've taken something Some material and you fashion something new out of it. God says he's taken us. A material that in and of itself is worthless. And he has fashioned something new out of it. Something to be used to serve and to bless his name. Without him we are a zero with the rim rubbed out. We're nothing. He has saved us that we might serve him. Ephesians 2, James 2, 18. All those say that we have saved us so that we can serve him, the one who has created us. He has a plan for our life and we will, if we serve him, we can see that full plan come to action. I I, I began to think back of of last week when Robert Gregg spoke about Jonah. Then how Jonah went every way possible but submitting to the Lord. And the moment that he came to that lowest point of his life and submitted to the will of God, God began to use him. But it took him submitting to the will of the Lord. Look at this third thing here, submitting to the promise of God. Submitting to the promise of God. The Bible says that in the last part of verse 3, we are his people and sheep of his pasture the sheep of his pasture is just a statement that reminded us that sheep are not smart creatures. Okay? The angles, they have a goat that's in their backyard. And I don't know if you follow them on Facebook. I want to have some goats one day when we move into our new house. But they have a little shed in the back of their yard. And almost every day they post a picture of one of their goats standing on top of the shed. Because goats and sheep are not smart animals. Okay, No, no animal in its right mind, no cow is going to go and sit on top of a On top of a barn okay they don't do that because they're smarter than that but these sheep the bible refers to us as sheep because a sheep needs a shepherd they need someone to direct their paths and to guide them and that shepherd is there to lovingly take care of them to guide them and to direct them in their ways and so when we are referred to as sheep the bible even goes over to psalms 23 and says the lord is my shepherd very common psalm. We know that psalm, but when we take that psalm and we apply it to our life and we say, is the Lord our shepherd? Is he directing our paths? When we go astray, does he come and does he pick us up and does he put us on his shoulders and does he care for us back to where we need to be? Because that is what a shepherd does. And if when you go astray, the Lord is not coming and and correcting you, you may need to look and re-examine who your shepherd is. Because the Lord is our shepherd. And when we get that thought in our mind, we will have no worries. All of our needs will be met. We will never have to fear. I've used this illustration many a times uh, over the last year. But I loved when, when people, such as like a James Dermott, who's not here because of health reasons. Uh, just he can't be around crowds right now. But when he first was diagnosed with this since this this blood disease the bone cancer uh whatever the name of it is i'm not a doctor like i said so i don't know those things uh but when he was diagnosed with that he i remember him coming to me right down front here and he said pastor james it was in a split moment of time to where i said am i going to worry or am i going to let god have this and he said in those couple moments of time he said i looked at the doctor and i said whatever you prescribe is fine but god has got this That's the faith. That's the trust of knowing that the Lord is our shepherd. He comes in and when you see me, where's that pen everywhere? God's got this. Are we trusting in God even today in a pandemic where the world is crazy and and people call it the crazy coronavirus because it's just crazy all the time? Are we trusting in God even in that? What is our shepherd? Who is our shepherd? And how are we trusting in that shepherd In the promises of God. So, not only should we bring the right spirit, not only should we have the right submission, but the third thing is we should bring the right sacrifice. Bring the right sacrifice. And when I say this, I want you to think back if you know any of Bible history, uh, just to go back to the temple and tabernacle days. There were the priests that would bring the sacrifices to God, and they would go into this inner court. Where only the high priests could go. And they wore bells around their clothing. Because if they went in there without a sacrifice. They would be dead. And if they went in with the wrong sacrifice. They would be dead. And so the bells told them. That if they were before God with the wrong sacrifice. They would fall over dead. And the bells would stop ringing. And they had a rope attached to them. And they would pull them out. Because if you went in there to pick that person up. You didn't have a sacrifice. And you wasn't in the right attitude. And God would kill you. Because he wanted his sacrifice to be holy and unblameable and unblemished. And so in that same thought, when we come before God and we come before him, it emphasizes here the one and once in Hebrews where it says this sacrifice was given for us. And we see that God has through his son died and bled for us 2,000 years ago to give his son for us. Are we bringing a sacrifice ultimately here? It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Are we bringing praise before God? When I read that verse, I thought of this and and this isn't in your notes. I just sort of wrote this down after I typed this up. God's house is a place of praise and a place to praise him. Are we praising God in this house today? We are given an invitation to come into his presence. When you study religions, when you study nations, when you study someone who had a a massive fortress, they put gates on their fortresses. And those gates were a defensive weapon to keep people out. And when I thought of that and I read this verse where it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. He's put those defenses down. And he's let us as the enemy come into his presence. We see next it goes even further by saying enter into his courts. This is that inner throne room with God. And we get to come in and we get to meet his glory. Because he's let those gates down and he's given us that opportunity to come into the throne room. When you think of Esther. You go back in the Old Testament. Esther was the wife of the king. And she could not go and see the king in his throne room without permission, or she would be struck dead, his own wife. And so God is saying that we have full access to his throne room, a very private, personal place. So no wonder the psalmist gives us this challenge in verse five to praise him. And he gives us three reasons here. The first one is to praise God for his goodness. We're told here, for the Lord is good. And man, he's so good. And I I began thinking of that word good. And I began thinking, if I were the writer of this psalm, I think I would have chose a better word than just good, right? We could think of God's awesomeness. I even make up words. People get onto me because I make up words. I would probably even make up a new word just for how awesome God is. And I would get ridiculed if I was the psalmist. I know. Uh, But when we think of just the word good and we look at when other places, this word good was used. The very first passage of Scripture. For God created the heavens and the earth. And at the end of that first day, it was good. Day two, it was good. Day three, it, we begin seeing this word good used for a moment of pleasant, beautiful, delightful, joyful, precious, correct. It also means the word expensive. For the Lord is expensive. His goodness is expensive. Not for us, thankfully. Because that expensive love was bought for us on Calvary. Regardless of what happens in life, God is good. Uh, years ago, before I got here, Pastor Steve would always say, "God is good," and all the time. And when we really think about that. There's an old kids' song that says, "God is so good. God is so good." God is so good, He's so good to me. Sometimes when Jade can't sleep at night, I'll go in and I'll sing that song to her because I want to remind her that God is so good in our life. And when we begin to comprehend His goodness and His pleasure for us, it will change the way our sacrifice is brought to Him when we're reaching up to God. Second thing I want to look at here is the praise God for his grace. And we're almost done. Praise God for his grace. Continues on in verse 5. It says, his mercy is everlasting. We can praise God because of his continual, constant extending of his mercy. As you know, mercy is defined as not getting what you deserve. There were many times when my mom and dad showed grace and mercy upon my life. When I should have gotten spankings. When I should have been disciplined and my dad just came in and said, just don't do it again. I deserved a lot more than just don't do it again. But yet he showed mercy to me. And God shows mercy to us as his children began thinking about even again, let's go back to that chocolate chip cookies. Because I may make some chocolate chip cookies tonight just by thinking of them right now. My mind is is going to that again, but let's go back to that chocolate chip cookies and You go to grandma's house, because I remember grandma always making those fresh pies and cakes and cookies. You go to grandma's house and you eat all those cookies up, because you can eat them all up in one sitting, and as a kid, you don't get sick. As an adult, you do get sick when you eat all of them like that, but somehow a kid's body doesn't get sick when it consumes that much chocolate and sugar, and so let's go back here for just a second and think about how when we consume all that, if you went to grandma's house the next day, those chocolate chip cookies wouldn't be there anymore. She would, didn't, probably didn't know you were coming over. But Lamentations 3 says this, that God's mercy will never be used up. And he makes a fresh batch every day. A fresh batch of mercy. A fresh batch of grace. And what was used up yesterday is replenished today. And his mercy and grace is never ending. That's why it says here in verse 5, his mercy is everlasting It never ends. What was done 2,000 years ago with Jesus Christ hanging on a cross is still good today. He poured out that sacrifice, his own blood for us, and it's still good for us today. The last thing I want to look at, and our musicians can come and start playing whenever you get there, we must praise God not only for his goodness, not only for his grace, but also for his guarantee. We are told that God's Truth here is eternal or everlasting or endureth to all generations. Simply stating, while the years pile up and the promises of God's word are still there and will not fail, we can see that God cannot lie. And what he promised will be good 10,000 years from now if the world is still in existence. And his mercy will still be there For all generation. When He tells us that He loves you. You can count on it. When He tells us that He will save you. You can count on it. If He tells you that you can take your cares to Him. You can count on it. If He tells you that He's coming back one day. You can count on it. If He tells you that He will keep you saved. You can count on it. It is sufficient to say that the Lord tells you anything. You can count on it. And that is a great reason for us this morning, church, to praise him because we can count on his guarantee. You may not always be able to count on that guarantee on the side of a box of brake pads that you buy, but you can always count on a guarantee that God gives us. And when he gives us just this one verse, for the Lord is good, his mercy endureth forever and his truth endureth to all generations. Just those three things should get us excited this morning, church. So, in conclusion, musicians, you can play. Are you bringing the right things to God when you reach up to Him? Has the Lord spoken to you in any area today that needs attention? Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm not as filled with His praises as I used to be. 20 years ago when I got saved, it was 26 years ago for me. I was a six year old boy who was pretty excited five-year-old boy that was pretty excited are we that excited today or does our praises need to be renewed sometimes it's difficult to praise the lord i know sometimes it's difficult to lift a hand up and say god you're good sometimes it's difficult to go through a trial go through a problem i remember when i was going through that that problem my dad when he had cancer it was hard to look at god and say god i'm praising you through this as a seven-year-old boy was hard for me to say god why are you doing this to my family but when we understand that god's goodness is forever our praises begin to change maybe you're sitting here today and you've never experienced the salvation that the lord is talking about here when he says that his mercy is enduring forever and he's good and he's our shepherd the bible talks about these verses and how we can meet him i want to invite you today to do that I don't know your hearts today church but I do know that some people in this auditorium need to look at what you're bringing to God myself included when we reach up to God are we bringing our own thoughts are we bringing his submission are we submitting to that are we bringing the right spirit and ultimately are we bringing the right sacrifice it's mine the Lord today as he calls you listen Father, just pray that you'll be with this service, be with this invitation. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.